Hi ho, hi ho, 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 and welcome to the December episode of Now and Then, the Flato Academy Theater. My name is Randy Reed, and I will be your congenial host, guiding you through another episode of interesting chatter about our beloved theater here in the city of Kawartha Lakes. We have uh, some interesting, interesting stuff going on this month, and this one is going to be, without a doubt, the Morrison's show. We have a nice talk with Colleen and David Morrison, and then our buddy Warren Frank does an interview with their daughter Megan Morrison, so it's going to be an interesting uh, Morrison episode for you. Along with that, uh, we're going to visit with our friends Ian McKechnie and Craig Metcalf, of course, talking about the upcoming events here at the theater. Before I go any further, I must give a huge, huge shout out to the cast and crew of James and the Giant Peach, which was uh, on the last weekend in November at the theater, and it was absolutely sensational. A lot of great comments from everyone that was there. I saw the Sunday afternoon show, and I was blown away, absolutely blown away. So congrats to Andrew and Beth, the two directors, and all the cast and crew. You were absolutely fantastic. Okay, without further ado, let's get at it. We'll kick it off with our monthly visit with the general manager of the theater, Mr. Craig Metcalf. Today we're not only talking about the upcoming events at the theater for the month of December, but also I asked him about riders. Very interesting, because along with getting paid, which most of the entertainers that come to the theater do, they have what they call a rider. And uh, a lot of people don't really understand what they are and how they work. So along with the upcoming events, I asked Craig about that. Okay, once again, here with our friend Craig Metcalf, General Manager of the Academy. And we're going to be talking about, uh, first of all, the upcoming events. December, not a lot, but it's all at once. So uh, we're starting on December the 7th with the Bear McNeils and their Christmas show. They tend to come here every other year uh, and uh, do very well. So uh, if you're watching and waiting for tickets, you should probably buy one soon. Followed on the 8th by an Elvis Christmas. Uh, brand new to us, never seen it before, but it is definitely a Christmas show. And with a twist, right? with the Elvis twist. December 9th is Elton Sean. Yes. It's been rescheduled from, uh, he was very sick in the spring, and right, so remember, it was moved yeah. forward to now, and, and a great band on December 10th, uh, Lighthouse. Uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's going to be a great concert. Absolutely. That's great. Well, I mentioned in my introduction um, that we are not only talking about upcoming things, but we're going to be talking about contract riders. Mm -hmm. The acts that come here, performers, get paid, obviously, uh, for the most part. And uh, But along with that, they attach oftentimes to their contracts a rider. Yes. And I thought maybe we could talk about that briefly. Sure. Well, a lot of the stuff here for us is rentals. If you see a tribute band, that's a rental. That's not our production. So they're in charge of their own stuff. But anything we would bring in... Like uh, we're, we're doing in January, David Wilcox, uh, February, Dwayne Gretzky and the Trues. They all come with a rider and it is part of the contract. But it doesn't just cover your M&Ms. 
which is the famous uh, Van Halen story. Right. Uh, it covers all of their technical requirements, their stage plot, uh, what equipment they expect to be here if we don't if we don't have it, insurance requirements, transportation, and hospitality. And some of that is negotiable, but you always know that as it forms part of the contract, you have to be mindful. Is it uh, is it a really easy one? Like uh, we had with Colin Mockery, and it was just two people. So a couple of bottles of wine and uh, some water, that was it. Where a bigger band, like a, like a Kim Mitchell, that would be worth a couple thousand dollars. So you right. have to take that into consideration. Right. Yeah. And some screwy ones, I'm sure, from time to time. Um, yes. Without uh, mentioning any names. Well, well, without mentioning any names, no. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'd love it if you did. Right. <laughs> well, we don't get too many interesting things no. uh, here. I must. Well, that's uh, good. I must say, most people are pretty sensible about yeah. it. Yeah, because we get a lot of, uh, well, I don't want to call them old timers, but they've been around a long time. Yes. And pros. they're used to this. Pros. And th this is what they do. Sure. Um, you're more likely to find, uh, well, like uh, uh, Dwayne Gretzky. It's not really weird. It's just the way that they do things. Soy-based uh, utensils only. Oh. No single-use plastics. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it's, we do get that kind of thing from, from time to time. Right gluten-free vegan options right yeah uh, right but it does it's important it does form part of of the contract part of the deal. so you know going in that uh, you have to either negotiate uh, to keep things in or out or be prepared to add that to the to the show budget. right okay good stuff thank you Craig we will talk later One of the nice things about doing this podcast is that I get to hang out with some friends that I don't see often enough, and I thoroughly enjoy being around them. So we are here with David and Colleen Morrison, and they have been involved in the theater on and off for a number of years, and we thought we'd just chat and get some stories. So welcome, you two. Thank you very much for your time. Very yeah. happy to Thanks be here. Thanks for asking us. It's nice to be here. Colleen, we'll start with you. Um, you're born and raised in this neck of the woods. Well, not born, but raised. Raised. Yes. Well, yeah. some say you're still I'm in that. I'm a Mariposa veteran. <laughs> there you go. And you, your um, first recollections of the theater goes back quite a while. Yeah. I was in high school. Uh, John Osterbrook. Uh, we had a great music program at LCVI. I started taking music in grade, I think it was maybe grade 10. Grade 11. Uh, they were looking for people for pit band for Kiss Me Kate. And I was just trying to remember, it was Don Blakely that was in it as well. Uh, a lot of, I can't remember all of the people, but a lot of famous longtime Lindsay theater people. And uh, I played flute in the pit band. I think it was probably November of 78, probably, when I was in grade 11 or something. Maybe and the pit 12. band would have been right in front of the stage? It was right in front yeah, of the stage. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was it was uh, first time I'd ever done anything like that. And um, I think it was John Osterbrook. I think he was actually doing the band. I, I can't remember. But it was such, felt like such a big time theater experience. It was really, really fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And David, when you moved here, um, you got involved almost immediately with, with 
all kinds of projects that ended up at the theater in one way or another. Yeah, I guess um, my first connection with the theater would have been in the early 90s, I guess, because we sort of moved back to this area in 89. And um, when, I, when I started teaching at LCBI in, in 91 or 92, man, I don't even remember <laughs> now, that's bad. <laughs> um, I remember the very first concert that I did was a Christmas concert, and, and it was um, at the school in the gymnasium. And it was like, uh, that's not the best place for a school concert. And so the, the next year I thought, why don't, why don't we do it at the Academy Theater? And from then I, I found that the theater was the greatest place for those school concerts because people, for one, people loved going to the theater to hear the concert, but it was exciting for the kids Absolutely. To have that experience to play, you know, we'd load up all the equipment. We'd spend a whole day just loading up all the stuff and getting set up down there. And it was a fun experience. And then to play the concert. And then, of course, the next day we'd load everything all the way back to the school. And if there was any time left over, we'd watch a video of the concert. <laughs> Kids so, loved those days. Yeah, Absolutely. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But once we started doing that, and it was something that... Uh, that seemed to work well. Gee, I, I used the theater a ton for school concerts. Absolutely. And they've gotten away from that for some reason. I was talking to Craig Metcalf, who's the general manager now, He about that because they um, there hasn't been really any school stuff in the last couple of years. And I said, geez, just put the word out. Because I can remember how excited my kids were when they got a chance to perform at yeah. the Academy. That was a huge deal. Well, even Absolutely. more exciting than that was when I was teaching a lot of students back in the day you know I have 40 or whatever students we did all of our recitals at the Academy yeah right mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and it was really quite something oh yeah that yeah. would be a huge and Ray deal. was he was there and he would meet me there and mm -hmm. yeah. I would get all the kids set up and it was we had a little reception in the upstairs and yeah. it was fantastic absolutely used to do that for a lot of years absolutely yeah. david you mentioned christmas christmas was always a big deal at the at the theater for a couple of different productions and i know colleen you were involved splendor very yeah, yeah very very yeah. much in those in those uh, variety shows that they had yeah splendor for quite a few years yeah eh? you had people Choirs you, well, you were involved and students with, and yeah, yeah the musical production of yeah. the concert and yeah playing yeah. for dance the dance groups and yeah all that stuff yeah it was it and was, our own kids played in in there that was always fun sure yeah. yeah and i mean even for us as when our kids were little our violin teacher taught upstairs in the guild room so oh they're right yeah, oh, yeah. that's where we did violin for yeah. years and years and years oh, that's right he came to Lindsay. Yeah. came from peterborough because there was so that was there the was suzuki a, guy yeah yeah he, oh, told there you go. he used to teach he used to he used to teach up there for oh, many cool. years and yeah little james, james parker, parker used to yeah. take six. violin lessons up there <laughs> i remember him yeah. with his little violin <clears throat> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that theater's seen so many interesting things happen, you know, that people aren't aware of, I think. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And just the dance recitals with the girls and, yeah. you oh, know, yes. 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. A lot of dance recitals. And the fall shows and our kids being in so many fall shows and Sure. Ian yeah. from when he was little and yeah. We did Little Shop of Horrors. LCBI put on Little yeah. Shop of Horrors. And I remember that. That was fun. Got to play in the pit with both of our boys. And yeah. 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 And Susanville, you guys played in the pit. That's Yeah, that's really where yes, I got I had to know you. Horton and, and, picking, that's uh, right. You were yeah. in the pit, too. Picking uh, things off the top of my head. and Remember? Um in the in the pit band because I sat with my head right to the stage. Oh yeah, oh, Max yes. here. Max here. <laughs> yeah. And he was picking clover, right? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And he was <laughs> pretending to pick it off yeah. the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right, because you were in the pit band. Yeah. And Graham was in the pit band. I think Ian was in the pit band, wasn't he? I don't no, think Ian don't was think in so. that no. one. Sherry Brennerman was the conductor. That's right, yeah. And uh, no, and Graham, <laughs> well, I joke about this with Graham now. Graham's their son, by the way, in case you didn't know. Um, Graham sat, I, I sat like two chairs over from Graham for a month getting ready for the show, and I think he said two words to me the entire, <laughs> yes. the entire right. month. <laughs> he was so quiet. Yeah. And now we're great friends, and he talks with my ear off when we get together. So yes, that's right. So it was nice to see him. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's very typical, Graham. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's uh, quite a boy. Yeah, but and now, you think that theater gave us a place to do all of the Odyssey stuff. I was going to just bring bring that up, yeah, because we we were involved. All of the three of us were involved in a high school band called the Odyssey Project, and um, we did several shows there. Yeah. Always a treat. Yeah. yeah, that was a great way to at the end of the year to sort of oh, yeah. showcase all of the stuff they worked on all year yeah. in a nice place. And now, of course, you're doing the uh, the Lindsay Concert Band, the Kawartha Lakes Concert Band. Yeah. And uh, showcasing them at the Academy as well. Yeah, we, had, we hadn't we had been back. I guess we did our first year we did our concert yes, there, right? right? Yeah. And, and then we had so many people on that stage. <clears throat> yes. Oh, I know. So yeah. yeah, we were five. packed side yeah. to side. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, then, of course, COVID, <laughs> and um, since then, we, we hadn't made it back there right. until this past June, right? It was June yep. we went? Yeah. And it was it was nice to be back oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Everyone so, was so we've decided that we're going to try to fit one uh, Academy show in each year yeah. and make that our end of the year. That's good. That's good. Show. Yeah. yeah. It's such a great venue, and it, the sound is so good. And like you said, people really enjoy going there. It's like a it's real happening event. thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's an event. Anyway, great to see you too. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. No Thanks for coming to see us. Okay, we're here again at the uh, Academy Theater with our friend Ian McKechnie, and we're going to continue our discussion about um, the uses of the theater during the 1930s this time. So welcome, Ian. Hi, Randy. Uh, let's start with movies. Um, I know uh, during this time that it was, um, again, uh, used uh, quite extensively as a movie house. Yes, and as in the 1920s, uh, double feature programs were popular during, during this time period. So this meant that, for example, on Wednesdays and Thursdays, the evening's motion picture entertainment was made up of two separate feature films, 
plus uh, the latest edition of Fox Canadian News, not to be confused with Fox News. <laughs> and uh, that was directed to you from the scenes of action. So these were newsreels that they would show before the, the actual um, film went up. And theater goers on these nights could come at 8.30 p.m., which is fairly late. Mm -hmm. And they could see two movies in the course of the same evening, plus wow. the newsreel. And the newsreels were, for a lot of people, a source of uh, their actual news. Very much so. So, for instance, uh, back in 1934, one of the newsreels included footage of the wedding of the Duke of Kent to Princess uh, Marina of Greece. And that wedding took place on November 20th, 1934, but it was December 10th uh, before moving pictures of the royal wedding went up at the academy, so about three weeks later. <laughs> and in the 21st century, you know, we're accustomed to getting up at maybe five o'clock in the morning to watch live coverage of royal weddings, funerals, and more recently, a coronation. Right. But 90 years ago, locals had to wait for two, three weeks before the newsreels came to Lindsay and went up at the on the big screen here at the Academy. Sure, they would come over by boat and yeah, that type of thing. That's really something. Um, during those, um, those uh, movie years, of course, um, a lot of the uh, future stars appeared in some of those productions. Very much so. And uh, they were introduced to local audiences on the big screen here at the theatre. So one of these was uh, a young lady named Marion Marsh, and she was heralded as the most sensational screen discovery of the year. So that's 1932, and will be seen on Wednesday and Thursday in a movie called Under 18, which was one of the uh, associated features of the two-feature program. And the local paper described Miss Marsh as being a blonde, blue-eyed charmer. <laughs> there you go. Along with uh, the movies, of course, live entertainment was still presented at the theater. Yeah, I think the movie, uh, the, the the movies were really the Academy's main um, bread and butter money makers at this time. Right. But the theater was still set up to to do live shows. Uh, it hadn't been fully converted over to a movie theater. It was sort of like a dual service theater, if you think about it that way. So there was an all-local production that uh, went up in April of 1932, directed by a Mrs. Frank uh, Brumell, and it was organized under the auspices of the Lindsay Citizens Band, and it was called High Heels, and it was praised by reviewers for its variety of smart costumes, its peppy dances, and its smartly dialogued skits. <laughs> And what's interesting about this production, Randy, is this was the first all-local production to be staged at the Academy oh. after the renovation of the auditorium, which we've talked about previously. Right. And that show featured seven smart singing and dancing choruses, two solos, four funful skits, two specialty dances, an interpretive ballet that is very smooth, a special singing number, a two-piano specialty, and a duet, and it all wrapped up with a smashing chorus finale that uh, the local um, theater reviewer said that showgoers could be assured they would find themselves humming all of the tunes on their way home. <laughs> I would love to see that production reenacted by one of our local theater Absolutely, groups. Absolutely, yes. That, that sounds like a great time, and it sounds sort of like uh, if you think of, of Weldon's um, antics, antics, it's very much in that like tradition. A, an adult version of that, yeah, that's terrific. What else was going on back then? 
Well, back then, of course, um, this is the Great Depression, so there's a lot of sadness and want and need uh, in the community. Mm -hmm. And we talked previously about how the renovation of the Academy Theatre's auditorium was designed in some ways to lift people's spirits through the bright Art Deco aesthetic and architecture. Right. Um, but of course, um, there's no point in having that if you're not having action up on the stage. And local productions were often staged in support of worthy causes. So back in 1935, November of 1935, the Lindsay Rotary Club sponsored a production called It's a Knockout. And the proceeds from this were used in support of what was called the Crippled Children's Fund. Mm. So supporting children with various physical disabilities. Right. And a number of original songs were apparently written for this big-time musical comedy, which featured an all-star local cast, if you can believe it, of 75 performers. I'm not wow. sure how mm. directors and stage managers would be able to wrangle these people. I know, yeah. That's a lot of people. And interestingly, among the cast were my great-grandfather, Dan McCory, and his oldest son, Jack oh. McCory, who would have been 20 at the time. I right. had no idea that my family did that. Right. Um, so school children got into a matinee performance of It's a Knockout for 10 cents <laughs> and reserved, that was on November 14, 1935. Right. And reserved seating for the evening performances of November 14th and 15th ran between 50 and 75 cents. Wow. And looking back today, we might think, oh, that's quite a deal. Um, but this is during a time of economic depression. Sure. So people really, uh, you know, going to the theater was a luxury. Exactly. Yeah, it would have been. And did you know, just off the top of your head, do you know what your your relatives did in that show? Not sure what my great-grandfather did, but great-uncle Jack played a, a role. I think the character's name was Caleb. Oh, yeah. And he had some kind of romantic interest <laughs> in the... Uh, <laughs> in the show, but it was very much, again, in the tradition of like Weldon's antics, kind of a variety with yeah. all kinds of singing, dancing, music, comedy, right. works. In 1932, um, I see here the community song service takes place. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Um, so going back a little over 90 years now, at the end of 1931, here in the town of Lindsay, there was a real... Um, problem, I guess you can say, with transients who were getting off the trains and they were camping out in what's now, I believe, the Lions Park that runs from Durham Street down to the Scugog River. Oh, okay, yeah. And um, they would go and sort of beg for food at, at some of the homes in that neighborhood. And this got to the point where uh, it was clear that poverty and homelessness was um, reaching crisis proportions. Wow. And the local Kiwanis Club and Rotary Club got together and formed something called the Citizens Relief Association. And the Citizens Relief Association, uh, they ran a soup kitchen at the armory. They checked in on, on homes that were, were in need. And in the winter of 1932, on February 7th, they sponsored something called a community song service, as you said, here at the Academy. And the evening got underway with a 15-minute band concert performed by the Lindsay Citizens Band. And this was followed by the singing of a dozen hymns interspersed with vocal trios, solos, and quartets. 
So people got in and they, they stood up and sang things like, Abide with me, nearer my God to thee, which people might know from the Titanic movie. Sure. Um, and Rescue the Perishing. These were all very um, popular and favorite hymns of the 1930s. The accompanist on the piano, I guess it would be, was a Mr. Uh, Taylor, C.J.W. Taylor, and a collection was taken up for the cause that totaled to $88.45, which if you look at how um, you know the dollar has changed, that mm -hmm. was a fair bit of money. That was pretty good. In yeah. 1932. Um, and apparently the every seat in the house was taken and standing room was at a premium. Oh, that's great. It really, it, the history of this building is really quite fascinating and all the different things that have happened here over the years. Yeah. Ian McCutney, thank you again. Always a pleasure to have you. Thank you. So further to our chat uh, with David and Colleen Morrison, they have a really, really talented family. And uh, Megan Morrison, better known as Meg, is... Uh, currently one of the stars uh, at the Academy Theatre in the various musicals that are presented there. She was uh, in Susical last year and then just finished the successful run with James and the Giant Peach. She is a wonderful girl, a local teacher, actually who teaches my granddaughter this year at Leslie Frost. And uh, along with being a teacher, she is a really talented artist, actor, singer, dancer. She does it all. She is terrific. Comedian as well. So um, our friend Warren Frank uh, had a nice chat with, uh, with Meg Morrison. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me back, everybody. Warren Frank here with another installment of My Academy Moment. And Randy, you're absolutely right. This chat with Meg was nice. It's always great chatting with an old friend, especially someone as funny and nice as Meg Morrison. So when I heard that the legendary Morrisons were going to be on this episode of Now and Then, I knew it was Meg that would be the perfect fit. So I reached out. Meg hit me back instantly, saying she would do anything for Randy, which is kind of a sentiment I'm getting from most people in town. And we caught up, and we talked about Meg Morrison's Academy Moment. Here you go, Meg. Okay, we're rolling. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Meg Morrison. I'm from Lindsay, Ontario. I'm 27, and I am a French immersion teacher at Leslie Frost Public School. I think the moment that stands out to me the most, I was in grade four and I had done dance for a couple years, but um, Susical the Musical was coming to the academy um, and it was the first time I had really thought about doing a musical. I hadn't really done a bunch of singing before then, um, but my mom is a music teacher, so she helped me pick a song and I did my audition and I ended up getting the role of the baby kangaroo in Susical, which was very special. And the moment I went on that stage with the costume and the hair and everything, it was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing on the stage. I liked it when I did dance recitals and things, but it never felt like it clicked for me. I always felt really stressed and anxious, like I'm gonna forget something. But when I was in the musical, it was just fun. And it was just something I genuinely enjoyed doing. And I think I've done, I've done quite a few fall shows after that. I've done some summer shows. And I actually got to do Susical again last year at the Academy. And I played Gertrude McFuzz, which was very, very special. And it was kind of like a full circle moment, like from 
2005 when I first did Seussical and was, you know, very young and I think I was, you know, nine years old to being like 26 and being an adult and being able to take on this role in, you know, from a different perspective and a different place. And it was really, really special. I think that was my Academy moment. Unreal. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Meg. And I got to tell you, before we left, I did give Meg a second in case she wanted to say anything to her folks who are also in this episode. And here's what she had to say. I honestly, if anything, just like a thank you. I mean, I would not have all of the opportunities I've had without them supporting me and honestly without them putting on a lot of these things I was able to participate in, you know, like the Odyssey concerts and Splendor of the Season. And they have been such an important part of so many aspects of the theater and the arts community in general. And I just feel very grateful that I have two really awesome parents that are passionate about this and that I get to share that excitement and that passion with them. Cute, cute alert. Thanks, Meg. Thank you to the Morrison family. We appreciate you. Okay, that's it. That's all for my Academy moment. I'm going to send you back to Randy. Reminder, if you have a doozy of a moment, just let me know. Email us at nowandthenpodcast.hotmail.com or message me on Instagram at GameKeeperTunes. I want to hear from you. And happy holidays, everybody. Take care. All right, thank you. This has been uh, great fun talking to the Morrisons and Ian and Craig. Uh, Before I go, I want to tell you about something else that I do at the theater. Um, I'm on what they call the program committee. And um, it's an interesting group of people that we get together about once a month and we give suggestions uh, to Craig and to the board at the theater about upcoming attractions. And uh, I really am enjoying being on the committee. I haven't been on it that long. A lot of the ideas that come down the pipe at the theater come from that committee so I'm very pleased to be on it Uh, and there's a lot of great ideas that come from it and there's some really really good people attractions that are coming to the theater in the coming months so make sure please that you support the local theater it is a wonderful place if you've never been before and shame on you if you haven't get in there because you will absolutely love the venue you will love the attractions. The volunteers are wonderful. We're going to be, we're going to be talking more about them in the, in the coming episodes and uh, all kinds of good stuff happening there. So, happy holidays, season's greetings, Merry Christmas, whatever your bent is during the month of December. I hope you have a great one. Looking forward to being with you again in 2024. And this is Randy Reed signing off. And as usual, support the arts. It's important.